0: Okay, well, let's jump into scripture for today. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start from verse 26. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app or your notes app, you can pull that out or you can just read the screen behind me. But it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he starts out and on his way, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Now this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip runs up to this chariot, and he hears this man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? And then he invites Philip up into his chariot to teach him and to sit with him. Now, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. Take note here because this is important. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, he says, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Is it himself or someone else? And then Philip begins with this very passage of scripture and tells him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they come to some water. And the eunuch says, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of me getting baptized? And he gives orders to stop the chariot. And then him and Philip go into the water. And Philip baptizes him. And when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly takes Philip away. And the eunuch doesn't see him again. But he goes on his way rejoicing. And Philip appears at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in the towns until he reached Caesarea. So I have a message for y'all this morning called Help Me Understand. Help me understand. Let's just pray before we jump into it. God, I thank you so much that through every single story in Scripture, you can bring us fresh revelation and fresh insight. And God, we ask for that today. Lord, would you help us to understand what it is we need to learn from this story. In Jesus' name, amen amen. This is part two of our series called Unnamed, looking at some of the ordinary people in the Bible that actually have extraordinary stories that we're still talking about today. And so obviously, I want to talk about this unnamed Ethiopian eunuch. But back when I was 18 years old, I moved away from my very small town. When I say small town, I lived in a town of 3,500 people, okay? Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, 3,500 people. I moved away from that town to the big city of Boston to this area called Cambridge just outside of Boston for university. You see, my high school had only about 450 students, not all from the same town, neighboring towns came, Um, but only about 450 students. And all of a sudden, I found myself on a university campus that had 21 thousand students and seven thousand of them were on the college campus that i was living on so very quickly i realized i was no longer a big fish in a small pond i was very much a small fish in a big pond with fish that could just swim laps around me You know, your first week at Harvard University is called shopping week. Not shopping for clothes, but shopping for classes. And it was this interesting concept that I had never heard about before. But all of a sudden, I found myself sitting in my new dorm room, surrounded by my three new roommates that I had just met a few days prior. And all three of them, they had been dreaming about being at Harvard since they were little girls. And I, on the other hand, had only decided to apply less than six months prior. And so they all show up to Harvard with their shopping week planned out, knowing exactly what classes they're going to do probably for the next four years. And I show up and I'm like, sorry, what What shopping week? I, I don't understand. And I felt very out of place and very unprepared. You see, for shopping week, there's this full database of all these classes that are on offer, and it's a week where you can go shop the different classes. And what that means is you can go check out a class, see which ones you love, which professors you like, which professors you just can't understand, and you could pop in for 15 minutes, grab a syllabus, or you could stay for the whole hour or two of teaching. And so it's a week where students are buzzing around campus from class to class, class to class, trying to figure out what's gonna be the best fit for them and their schedule. Now, it sounds awesome when you understand, and at the end of the week, that's when you lock in your classes for that semester. But I remember this night staring at my computer screen and just freezing up. My computer didn't freeze, I did, I was frozen. And I didn't know a thing about this until I had arrived on campus. I could read what was in front of me, but I did not understand it. And I was so overwhelmed in this moment, being in a new big city, being this small town girl, and having no idea what I wanted to do or what I wanted to study. And so I called this upperclassman student that had been assigned to me as my peer advising fellow. Basically, these were people, older students, that were assigned to help newer students navigate life on campus, and I was assigned a senior student named Kenny. And so that night, I called Kenny, and I was like, Kenny, I I don't get it. I don't understand, and without any hesitation, he said, I'm on my way over right now. And I remember that night, he showed up to my dorm and sat next to me at my desk and helped me understand everything that I was reading. He helped me pick out classes that related to my interests and helped me plan out a whole shopping week schedule. See, he was assigned to help me understand what I was reading. And he showed up for me in a moment when I was alone and overwhelmed in a new big city. And he helped me gain confidence that guided me through my next four years at Harvard. And in the following year, I became a peer advising fellow myself because now that I understood, I could help the newer students understand. You see, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, I was on a journey, but I had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. And just like this eunuch who oversaw the Queen's whole treasury You could say I was intelligent, yet I could not understand this slightly overwhelming concept without the help of somebody else climbing into my chariot and helping explain it all to me. Has anyone else ever found yourself just staring at scripture, reading it again and again and again, and you just don't understand it, so you put it down you're like, I I don't know. Like It's in English, but I don't get it. Or has anybody else ever found yourself picking up the word of God and you're a reader, you love to read books, so you start at the beginning and you start in Genesis and then get lost in Leviticus? Or has anybody else called yourself a Christian, but if someone truly asked you about your faith and asked you to explain it to them and why you believe and what you believe, you might struggle to articulate it. Has anybody else ever needed help to better understand, but you were too afraid or too embarrassed to ask? Look, I get it. The Bible can be hard to understand, and Christianity can be a tough road to walk. And life will present you with different situations that are going to raise some questions that you don't always have the answers to. And we all have days and seasons of life where we need a Philip to climb into our chariot and to help explain to us what it is that we're reading, to help answer some questions about our faith. We also will all enter seasons where we can become a Philip to others. But I do feel like there's a lot of people in our church, not just locally, but the church globally, that feel more like the unnamed eunuch than they do like the disciple named Philip. So let's talk about this eunuch for a minute because there's a lot more to unpack here than you might realize on first reading. Because in various periods of history, eunuchs were highly sought after to serve in senior positions within a king or emperor's inner circle. So in the Middle East, in Southeast Asia, China, and Africa, eunuchs were sought after because having been emasculated, they were not a threat to the king's wives or harem. And now when I say emasculated, I mean castrated. Young boys, usually before puberty, were selected, taken, forced into the king's service, and then underwent mutilation to their bodies that prevented them from having children. And one particular order of eunuchs only had a 10% survival rate from this procedure. Now, not every eunuch in history was castrated, but being a eunuch mutilated or not was speaking of a life of abstinence and a life of singleness. Without the ability to have a family of their own, their loyalties would be purely to the king or the queen they were serving. Now the tragedy is this was not a job you applied for. This was a job that you were forced into against your will. And now being emasculated is horrific enough, but There was worse social implications that followed them for the rest of their lives. Because in Middle Eastern culture, where family is legacy, where sons and daughters that they live on and they carry your name, where it was a fate fate worse than death to have your family line cut off from you, these individuals, they found themselves without a spouse to love, without children to carry on their name, or to look after them when they were old, humiliated, and with no descendants. They were lost, unnamed generations. So we know that this Ethiopian is a eunuch, and we know that he has now become highly successful. He has no significant other, no family, and almost certainly was forced into this, and somehow has worked his way up into a position of high authority and responsibility. He is the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer for the Queen of Ethiopia. But we also know that in this moment he is seeking God. Now he is a Jew of some sort, many Ethiopians were, and he has a copy of the scriptures and he's reading it out loud in his chariot on his way back to Ethiopia. And God intervenes in this moment, interrupts Philip's day to send him to this person because God clearly loves him and is setting up this divine appointment on his behalf. You know Philip, he's a disciple of Jesus and earlier in this chapter of Acts, you can see and read that Philip, when he ministered to people, he was often in cities and at the time he was in a city in Samaria But when he spoke, it says that people would listen closely and crowds would gather to hear Philip preach. And all of a sudden, God's like, I want you to leave all these crowds, all these people that are now saying yes to Jesus, all these people that are getting saved because I've got one person out on a desert road that I need you to meet. And so Philip obeys and he finds this person stuck on a particular passage of scripture. And it was a passage that was talking about someone who sounds like they have been through exactly what he's been through. Remember those words from earlier. Led like a sheep to the slaughter. How vivid were his memories of being a young boy taken to a place where he did not want to go, to a man with a knife, most likely, where his life was changed forever. Humiliated, deprived of justice, looked down on by society, and who can speak of his descendants? See, this eunuch was reading of someone who knew his pain, his humiliation, and his life, and he wanted to know who it was, having no idea that the prophet Isaiah is speaking about a man named Jesus. Jesus not only knew his pain, but Jesus knew his name, even if we never will, and at this critical moment in this person's life, God reached out to him, spoke to him, saved him, and then used him to take the gospel into a part of the world that at this time was not yet reached. In fact, scholars tell us that this eunuch is almost certainly the one who took the gospel of Jesus to the African continent and started churches in Ethiopia. See, when this man had seemingly lost everything about his identity and his purpose because it was taken from him as a young boy, God gave him hope for a new day and a new purpose, a greater purpose to live for, and a family of believers to belong to. In this moment, this unnamed eunuch was born again, and he was a new creation in the eyes of God. You know, I mentioned earlier that a lot of us, I believe, can identify with this eunuch in some way, and I'm not necessarily talking about in a literal sense, but perhaps you can identify with his struggles to figure out his true identity in a culture that redefined him at a young age, a culture that was forced upon him, a culture that he was forced to serve with no questions asked. Now, did he become successful in that culture by the world standards? Sure. He was the CFO for the Queen of Ethiopia, but it came at a great cost. And clearly, it wasn't enough. He was searching for more in this moment. He was searching for truth and hope and new life on this day that Philip was sent to him. So there's two things that I want us to take away from this story, and the first is this. When you don't understand, ask someone for help. Now, let's remember that this man was extremely intelligent, yet there were still things he did not understand, and when Philip came up next to him, and ask that question, "Hey, do you understand what you're reading?" He could have brushed him aside like most of us do and say, "Oh yeah, 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 I, I get it. No worries." and tried to let just brush somebody aside and allow his pride to get in the way, for fear of uh, feeling inferior in his knowledge of God. He could have been a great pretender in this moment, like many of us are, brushing off the help that God might be sending us, but instead... I love the eunuch's response. This CFO to the queen of Ethiopia, he had enough humility to respond to this disciple of Jesus who in the world's eyes was uneducated. Remember, Jesus chose those that everybody else had rejected. And so this uneducated individual in the world's eyes comes up to this this CFO of queen of Ethiopia and is like, hey, do you understand? And he has enough humility to say, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And he invites him up into the chariot to sit with him and to teach him. That was him asking for help. That was him admitting he didn't fully understand, but he wanted to. That was him laying down his pride as a royal official to allow this disciple of Jesus to teach him about scripture. It requires humility to ask for help and receive help, no matter how much previous knowledge you may have. See church, we aren't just meant to read scripture and memorize it so we can quote it, because if you can quote it but you don't understand it, is that truly helpful to you? We are meant to understand it, to understand what Jesus is saying in all of scripture. But how can we understand it unless we ask for help? Unless someone takes the time to actually explain it to us and answer our questions. Look, if you don't understand something, asking for help and receiving the help that is offered to you is actually the bravest and strongest thing you can do. Because, how else will you grow? You know, I remember when I, was, when I first walked into Elam, I was 22 years old. And I had a prior knowledge of God because I grew up in the church, and I could quote to you all the different Bible stories that I learned in kids' church growing up. I worked at a church camp uh, throughout my summers in high school. I had this prior knowledge of God. But I realized in this moment, when I was standing in Elam Botany at the time in this Pentecostal church, I realized there was actually so much that I did not understand. So much that I, that I didn't understand from the knowledge that I had. And so I did one of the most humbling things that I could have done as a Harvard graduate at that time who was supposed to be, in the world's eyes, smart and intelligent and know things. And I admitted I didn't know everything that I thought I knew. I admitted that I needed help to understand this faith that I had claimed my whole life but didn't actually understand I had claimed my whole life that I was a Christian, but I couldn't articulate that to you if somebody asked me. In fact, I wasn't fully living that out. And in that moment, I humbled myself and I enrolled in Elam's Bible College at that time, which was the most uncomfortable thing I could do at that moment. But it's only when you're uncomfortable that you're gonna grow, right? And at the time, it was called the Ministry Training School of, no, Ministry Training College of New Zealand. But now it's called Elam Leadership College. But back when I was 22, I sat in this classroom with people that were aged 18 to over 60. And I asked question after question after question, not to be obnoxious, but to gain greater understanding. And then outside of the lectures, when I was doing my homework and my assignments, I went to a boy named Frosty, who I thought was pretty switched on at the time, And pretty cute and I and I borrowed his book from my studies and I was like I need you to help teach me this and so he had to spend time with me and then he married me Um, but if you don't understand don't just stay stagnant in your faith like a sitting body of water that smells and gets funky like a pond because we are meant to be living streams of water that flow and to flow it requires action and movement on our part So what could you do to get the help that you need? Maybe you could find a mentor within this church. You know, several weeks ago in our EW ministry, that's our women's ministry, we released a mentor guide, but it's not just for women, it's for everybody. A mentor guide that can help you understand what a healthy Christian mentoring relationship could look like. And we have this mentor guide. I printed out a few copies back at the info desk. If you want one, if you need to find a mentor or you want to become a mentor, read that. That's a great place to start. Another thing you could do is you could sign up for Alpha. It's a course that helps you understand the basics of Christianity. And look, even if you've been a Christian for years, but maybe you've gotten stuck in your faith, maybe you've hit this point where you've hit a dip, the best thing you could do is go back to the basics. Start rebuilding from the ground up. Get those foundational blocks in place. Maybe you could download the Bible Recap podcast and its accompanied reading plan in the YouVersion Bible app. It is a free resource that helps explain every single sentence in Scripture so that you can understand it and how it connects to this greater unified love story about God's love for humanity. You could subscribe to The Bible Project on YouTube, another great free resource that helps unpack the meaning in every single book of the Bible and big themes throughout scripture. Maybe you could buy a study Bible. Maybe you've had the same Bible for 20 years and you are, just have no desire to pick it up and read it because it's too hard for you to understand. Maybe you don't have the right translation for you. Look, if somebody gave you a King James Version and it sounds like Shakespeare to you, maybe you need to pick up a different translation, like the New Living Translation or the New International Version. Go to manna and get yourself an early Christmas gift. Get a new Bible that you are excited to read. Get into a small group where you could be surrounded by other believers that can actually answer those questions that you have about God, and they can help you grow in this journey. Iron sharpens iron. For some of you that want to go even deeper in your faith and in deeper in your understanding, it might be the time to take that leap of faith and go to ELC. Now, you could either do a full-time internship, which means you're studying theology coupled with practical ministry here at church, or you could do their part-time course that they just started offering this year. And it's a part-time course with two classes in the evening, online, per week, to make it accessible to anybody to learn about theology and the basics of understanding God and Christianity. It's a part-time course that will give you foundational knowledge so you can understand the scriptures that you're reading and who God is and what that means for you. Look, there is help available to you. So would you have the humility of this unnamed eunuch and embrace the help that is already within arm's reach? Now let's just quickly talk about the second part of this man's story because remember they were traveling along the road and then the eunuch spots a body of water and he says, hey, Can I get baptized? What's standing in the way of me getting baptized? Like, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he is who he says he is. And so Philip gets out of the carriage with him and goes into the water, and he baptizes him. And then it said, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And Philip appeared at Azotus. Now, did we just read about teleportation in the Bible? Yes, y'all. We did God took Philip, suddenly, after he finished his mission in this moment, he was an obedient servant, finished his mission, baptized this eunuch, taught him about Jesus, and then all of a sudden he comes up out of the water and Philip's gone and appears 50 kilometers away. Look, he had more people to tell about Jesus, so God was like, let's speed this up, now next mission, okay? Cool moment in the Bible, but let's talk about the baptism, okay? The second thing you need to know is when you do understand, take action for yourself and others. Keys can come join me now. When you do understand, take action for yourself and others. Now this important official for the queen of Ethiopia, he asked for help when he didn't understand, but then when he did understand who Jesus was and what he did, he didn't hesitate to surrender his life to him and then publicly declare his love for him by going through the waters of baptism. He ordered for his chariot to stop and he's like, What can stop me from taking my next step of faith? Philip was like, nothing, let's do this. Let's go into the water and get you baptized. Look to all those in the room that do understand. When is the last time you took action for yourself and for others? When was the last time you took a next step in your faith? Or has your faith remained kind of at the same level since the day you got saved? Or the year you got saved? Look, if you do understand who Jesus is and what he did for you, what's holding you back from getting baptized or from getting connected to other believers here at church or from starting to serve in God's house or from sharing your testimony, the transformative power of the gospel in your life with other people in your world. You know, this unnamed Ethiopian eunuch He didn't get baptized and then just keep the gospel message for himself thinking, okay, my salvation is in order. I'm going to heaven, I'm sorted. No, he went back and he shared that. He shared the gospel. He shared what he had just learned. He started churches in Ethiopia and the gospel of Jesus spread throughout Africa. He understood and then he took action for himself and then for others by sharing about his story of transformation. Look, we are meant to be living vessels, vessels of living water that overflow into our community because the saving grace is not just for the people here in this room, it's for everybody. Everybody that you encounter, God is for them too. And perhaps God is sending them along your path so that you might share a little bit of hope with them that day. Let me just finish with this final story. You see, I went, recently went on a trip with the other female Elam pastors from around New Zealand. And we were all sitting together on this boat one evening next to this piano man that was playing these old folk songs and everybody in the boat was singing along and then he ran out of his set list and he asked for requests and a lady in our group asked him if he knew how great thou art, and he did. So he started playing it and about 25 of us, we started singing unashamedly about our God. And a lady sitting next to us started to have tears well up in her eyes. And after the boat docked, One of the pastors from the South Island went up to this lady and said, hey, are you okay? And she said, yeah, it's just when you guys were singing, I saw this light on all of you. And she goes, that light, that light is Jesus. Do you know him? You see, we are meant to be like a city on a hilltop shining, a city that cannot be hidden, a people that are filled with hope and with light overflowing everywhere we go. Although we are all once like the eunuch, in this story grappling with our identity and our purpose and our place in this world, we are all meant to become like the disciple named Philip who climbed into that chariot to help somebody else, to mentor them and to teach them. So if you do understand, who is God sending you to help? Could it be your neighbor, your nephew, your boss? that uni student that always finds themselves sitting next to you, the teenager in your world that just dropped out of high school and is asking some big questions about life, That, that young couple that just got married, who is God sending to you? Because if you do understand, could you be a Philip to them? Could you help answer some of their big questions? Could you be a Philip to somebody here in this church that has some questions about their faith and help them better understand the scriptures that they're reading? Who knows what that impact What impact that single moment, that single encounter could have, not just on their life, but on the world. I love this quote. Somebody said, mentors always depart, usually before the journey is over. The trip, after all, belongs to the traveler, not the guide. Few teachers or mentors ever see a person through an entire journey. All I'm saying is, if you do understand, could you help somebody with part of their journey? Not all of it. It's not a lifetime commitment to help somebody else, but could you help them with part of it? Could you be obedient to the call that is on every believer's life, which is to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to believe the words of Jesus. That's not a call just for the pastors of the church. It's for the believers. So church, let's remember it is okay to not understand everything right away, but it is so brave to ask somebody for help And when you reach a place of greater understanding and greater faith, it is so brave to return the favor to another believer and help them gain greater understanding too. Because we're all meant to help guide each other closer and closer to Jesus. Amen.